1: Miley Cyrus is covering Metallica. So we're talking all things Metallica. It's Last Words here on The Pit, play the music.
2: Hello, welcome back to Last Words presented by The Pit. I am one of your co-hosts, Doc Coyle from the band Bad Wolves and host of the X-Men podcast.
0: And I'm Katie Irizarry of Season of Mist and Loudwire.
2: And
1: I'm Jordan Olds from Two Minutes
2: to Late Night. And we also have a very special guest, Mr. Nate Garrett, of Spirit of Drift. How are we doing, Nate? Doing good, man, glad to be back. We love you. Uh, we actually had the great pleasure to review your record that came out not too long ago, and uh, you know, I can't really do the, the motions I was doing on, on here because it will get banned by YouTube, but I was like, you know, you know, really enjoying it, just saying.
3: <laughs> Dude, I, I listened. <laughs> I listened to that review and I was extremely flattered and I really appreciate everything you guys had to say. It means a lot.
2: Well, guess what? I actually played a song on my podcast, you know, and uh, you might have gotten, you know, the Doc Coil bump and this is not genital herpes.
3: I, I know, dude. I heard it.
1: <laughs>
2: genital herpes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Nate and Doc are going to get married uh, <coughs> by the end of this episode, which will be great. No, Nate, you put out a banger of an episode. The last time you were on here, we had to cut the episode short. So you're back and we're gonna get into some hot takes that we didn't get into in the last
3: episode. We're gonna make up for uh, like lost um, hotness. Yeah, we have (laughs) gotta make up for lost heat.
1: Lost words. Lost words, there we go. Katie, well done. Thank you. Well, our first topic this week is Miley Cyrus.
0: I'm, I gotta tell you, this week, I'm especially excited to party in the USA with Miley.
1: We still got a lot of work to do. But anyway, we have work to do right now. We got to talk about Miley Cyrus doing a Metallica covers record. Are you guys excited about this?
0: Yes. I am so stoked for this. I really am. Uh, I enjoy Miley Cyrus. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people look. Rock and roll, metal, it is a genre, but rock and roll is also an attitude. And I think Miley Cyrus is, by that definition, a rock star of uh, this particular generation. Um, you know, she's done things like pissed people off at the VMAs and, and swung naked on a wrecking ball and did nude photo shoots and smokes a lot of weed. Like, I mean, But she's also at the same time a positive role model. You know, she's an animal rights activist. You know, she's a very strong, independent woman. So there's just, uh, I love her, and I also just think this is a great way to once again, you know, just open those floodgates and let everyone who was born after us, you know, live in the legacy and and discover Metallica.
1: I think that that's a great point. It's insane how divided this topic is to me, because, number one, I feel like I've seen every, like, commenter who's been yelling about this also like praise some other band for doing a heavy metal Miley Cyrus cover so many metal bands have covered like Wrecking Ball I've covered
2: Wrecking Ball that was it <laughs> you, you did Wrecking Ball I mean I I didn't do it but it, the band did it
1: <laughs> oh okay, sure okay semantics <laughs> Miley has also jammed with Laura Jane Grace of Against Me and Joan Jett she's got a rock album coming out with Andrew Watt, who wrote the Ozzy record. That's coming out later this month. I don't think anybody has to like have enough accolades to do metal covers or whatever,
3: but if you do, she's got them. Nate, what do you think? I agree completely with everything that Kate said. I think the bottom line here is she's a really skilled musician. I'm a huge fan of her, her voice, obviously. It's just objectively good. A real musician's mind. Obviously, she came from a, a lineage of some hardworking musicians in her family. She's got this kind of like X factor, unhinged, crazy sort of artistic freedom. She does whatever she wants. I think that's cool. She's just kind of wild. I mean, I, she seems like the type of person that would have no problem like beating a motherfucker up if she had to, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's my kind of person. And, you know, if. If people in the metal community don't want to listen to a Miley Cyrus Metallica album, there's plenty of like cavernous death metal records played by boring nerds. There's not any shortage of that. So you can go listen to that. Woo! (laughs) Ooh, spicy. Doc, where are you? Well, one,
2: I can't say I'm excited for it because it's like, you know, a trailer to like, a Marvel movie or new Star Wars. Like, I'm not really excited until I see the trailer. So I don't really, I don't know if it's going to be good or not. We have to kind of wait. And I think Metallica is one of the hardest bands to cover because their original versions are so perfect. It's kind of hard to do it better. And I would put, uh, you know, Pantera in that category. I would put Van Halen in that category. And I don't mean like, you know, doing these kind of like web covers. That we're, I'm talking about like a real, like, cover album to put out. I just think it's a, it's a very difficult bar to clear. So I'll just wait and see, but I'm sure it'll be well done. But I have to just say, these are the people that are gonna save rock and roll. It's not gonna be the rock people. It's gonna be Post Malone. It's gonna be Machine Gun Kelly. We're a bunch of haters and elitists, so we're not gonna do it. They gotta put the, you know, you know the little Rapunzel hair down to their young people to bring that cause that's the only way you can replenish is to get the young people in. So I think it's great. It shows that rock still matters to the people outside of it. And I think it's slowly but surely permeating. So I don't think there's any negative to it unless it's just really bad, which I doubt it's just, I just don't think you can,
3: it's very difficult to improve a Metallica song. Can I run with something you just said doc? Sure. Yeah. I look at our Spotify numbers, people, Like 16 to 22, don't listen to Spirit Adrift. They don't. And so you're exactly right when you're saying it's going to take something, maybe from outside our little subculture, to, for example, like Miley Cyrus covers Metallica. Some kids hear Metallica that wouldn't have normally. Maybe they fall in love with Metallica. Maybe they hear a band like Spirit Adrift or a band like Hallbearer or Eternal Champion, or, or they follow that line and they get more into real heavy metal type music.
0: This is something we actually kind of touched upon not too long ago when we had Ethan McCarthy of Primitive Man as a guest here with us. And, you know, we were talking about how people get into music. So, it's much different the way people are getting into music now. They're not really um, you know, it's not like they're getting it their moms or dads or older brothers are passing it down to them they're just directly plugged into pop culture and they're getting it that way. And in a lot of ways, some of us might've gotten it that way as well. Um, You know, it's, um, so I think this is just a great way to transcend and just keep the legacy of Metallica alive. And I think it's exciting to see Metallica now touch upon these younger generations because it shows you that metal really is forever. Like Manowar was right.
3: Let me put, (laughs) let me put a cherry on top of this. It's almost statistically impossible that a Miley Cyrus album is gonna be that much worse than the last few actual Metallica albums. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we we
2: we we about to be fighting up in here. Let's go, doc. Let's go.
1: <laughs> doc, do you disagree? Do you just do you think that are, are you are you a fan
2: of modern Metallica? Yes. First off, first off, I want to talk about so I want to talk about there's a war going on right now, okay? Between real Metallica fans like me and fake ass Metallica fans who are just like, oh, I only like these records. But shut up. Shut up with that damn shit. Okay. That's not how fandom works. All right. Fandom isn't, oh, I'm, I'm a fan what? on Monday and I hate them on Tuesday. That's, that's whack. All right. I'm a Knicks fan. All right. They lose every year. Okay. <laughs> and I think what people do is they filter. Modern things through the lens of not really understanding their biography. That when you heard something when you're 12, you are emotionally attached to it, and when you hear something that's pretty damn good when you're 37, you're old and you're jaded and you're bitter, and you and and you didn't put the damn nostalgia filter on it, so you think it's not good, but it's still really good. The last two Metallica albums are incredible. Okay? And you know what? I've seen them. I toured with them on Death on uh, Death Magnetic. New songs were slamming live. They play six new songs going over like gangbusters, killing the game. And then the new album, Hardwired, is better than that. And I, and I, I just think it's so difficult for any band to be like in their 50s, in their 60s, still putting out material that's great, and especially a band like that that went on all these tangents and made load and made Lulu and made, and really, you know, with St. Anger to me, like lost the plot and to get back to that level and make something that relevant. I think, I just think it's like I said, it's just these nostalgia glasses that you can't put on new things. So you think it's not good, but you just fucking up the game because you ain't a real fan.
3: I don't necessarily disagree with a lot of what you said there, doc. And I saw him on the death magnetic tour twice they were playing the three songs from that album that are good that are worth playing. <laughs> and I, I just want to say, I love Metallica with all my, it's their like, they're like musical family to me. Like I'm going to love them no matter what they do. But that being said, I'm not going to pity listen to, to their last three or four albums when ride the lightning exists or when master, P- I'd rather just listen to that. I think that,
1: I think that this is coming into my hottest take is that I think the dudes that are metal like I I'm I'm that fan that doc is talking about. I don't even know if I so I don't even know if that necessarily makes me a Metallica fan um, of because the albums I like are the, like, you know, first four out al- of like Metallica albums and then I think when you hear the Metallica albums that are written by just James, Kurt, and Lars, I think that's what the real Metallica is. And I'm not sure I like that. (laughs) I'm not sure that those are the albums that I'm here for. And I think that that's fine, because I think, like, Dave Mustaine, like, going off and creating Megadeth, that was the piece of Metallica that I really liked. And I think the other half of it, was, uh, was Cliff, and when Cl- Cliff passed away, then it was just, then it's just the other three. And I don't know, I think that, that for me, it's just those, those dudes, I think Death Magnetic and Hardwired are fine. They're really, they're like solid thrash metal albums, but they don't, they don't have the, the oomph of, of the earlier stuff when they had songs written by Dave and Cliff.
0: I agree. Um, I'm more obviously with what more I'm more so with what Nate and Jordan are saying, where I really only love Metallica up to a certain point, you know. And i I like load, reload, I'm not ashamed to admit that. But there's a certain point where I'm at a certain Can't point. Can't
1: wait to jam ain't my bitch. <laughs>
2: yes. yes. That's
1: a good oh, song. Yeah. A good <laughs>
0: Don't
2: fuck with me. me, player.
0: But let me let me say, though, the point I want to make about is about fandom, because I think when it comes to being a fan, it's not about what you like of the bands and picking and choosing. I think it's about loyalty and saying, well, you know what? I don't really love this album, but I'm still going to support this band. I'm still going to see them every time they come around. I'm still going to listen to the albums of theirs that I love religiously. I'm still going to wave their flag. I'm still going to cheer for them when they win. Um, I don't have to love their records to still be a fan in that sense where, yeah, you know what? Uh, pity listen. I love that, Nate. That is my new favorite term. I agree. That's how I- <laughs> Death, Death Magnetic. Oh my God. St. Anger, Lulu. There are just so many travesties in that band's later discography, but at the same time, it will never ever abandon Kill 'Em All or Ride the Lightning or Master of Puppets. I mean, a lot of these records, like I said, up until like, you know, early 2000s Metallica, I love, but yeah, I think I think it's okay to not necessarily appreciate what a band is doing anymore or like it and still stand by them because that's what a true fan is. Like, to be honest, that's how I feel felt about Slayer towards the end. I really would just go on their shows because it's like, oh, my friends are going to be there. I guess I'll go. I really, you know, um, <laughs> so I feel like, yeah, I can't say I'm a Slayer fan because I absolutely turned my back on that band. But Metallica, I'm a fan because I will support that band. And I want to see them win, no matter how horrible their records are.
2: I, I, just want, I just want to talk about this idea of, A, you can't make new old things, right? So just the fact that something is old and has stood the test of time gives it more credibility than something in the moment. Like, we can't, we won't know. Like, I'll, you know what I'll put also put in this boat is like the new Star Wars movies, right? There's so much hype and people are so invested emotionally. You don't even know what they are now. You got to wait 30 years so that the emotional attachment has worn off and people who are more objective can come along and say, what even was that? Was it good? Was it mediocre? And I think it's the same thing about these Metallica albums. I think the narrative is Metallica fell off. So you get invested in that narrative that they've fallen off. And so you look at the records through the prism, and it, guess what? It doesn't feel the same because guess what? It ain't old. It's new. And yo, I'll put a deal. Spit Out the Bone is one of the best Metallica songs they've ever written. Okay? That's just a fact. Um, Moth Into the Flame is one of the best Metallica songs written, period. It just is. And I'm like, and I'll, and because I can feel like I can detach myself. So I'm just saying, we won't you can say you don't like it and i'm not denying that you don't like it but i'm saying that having something like watching you know uh a spielberg movie from watching et like it has a quality of being of a time it just is what it is and it has that quality and so you're going to perceive it differently
1: i think there are two things against that i think one is we're literally about to talk about a new old album on this episode (laughs) It's literally a band redoing their demo, and I, like, not to spoil that section, I think it's, that is, is weirdly one of the best thrash records I've ever heard. Oh, uh-oh. I agree. Uh-oh. I agree. Oh, no,
3: it's about to be ugly in here, dude. We're gonna talk, <laughs> we'll talk about it.
1: <laughs> I didn't grow up with, like, an, I, like, I don't have a lot of, like, uh, like, when I re-listen to things, like, my nostalgia lens it, le- it kind of doesn't work anymore. <laughs> like I don't like a lot of things that I liked when I was a kid. The first album that came out that I remember when I was a Metallica fan was Saint Anger. And that was all the hype. Like I had just found, they, I, I didn't, like that was the first new album that was in my like realm of being a metal fan. When I heard it, I, I knew that I didn't like it immediately. So, even even if there was like nostalgia attached to it, like I did, I'm not taking that that with me, either way.
2: You know what I'm saying? I hear you, but what I'm saying is, it's here's how it is. There's there's clubs of cool, and the further you go in one direction, the more elite elitist you are. Here's the first club: people who are like Ride the Lightning is the best album. That's the one club. Then you go to the next club. There we go. I I only listen to the first four albums. Right. That's club two. Club three is I'll listen to the f- first five albums, right? That's co- that's like less cool, right? Because you're like, oh, it's black albums, you know. And then after that, it's a free-for-all. But you know what's never cool to say? I love all Metallica. I love new Metallica. You're not cool. You're the guy who tucks his Metallica shirt into his damn khakis. No one wants to be that guy.
3: Doc, i got to burn your theory down real quick because – yeah. There's good songs and there's bad songs, and
2: that's a subjective I, statement. That's right? A subjective yeah, well,
3: statement. to a certain degree, it is. Too. I think no, Martin not. Martin Birch and Rick Rubin would probably argue with you there. Some Metallica albums have a few good songs on them. Some of them have a hundred percent good songs. So I think that's where. And I like I like a lot of songs on Load. I like a couple songs on Reload. I think there's things even on Saint Anger that. Uh, if they had been in maybe a, a less chaotic headspace, would have made for really good songs. Uh, I know somebody, like, re-recorded it with different production.
2: Yeah. And
3: you can you can really hear, like, the potential in some of that. So I, I think the people you're talking about are maybe just people that are trying to be part of the metal subculture and they don't really care as much or know as much about, like, I don't like,
2: think they're trying. Songs. I think it's authentic. I'm just telling you where those categories are because i've met people from all of those
3: sure yeah those people are posers i'm not saying they're posers <laughs> <laughs> they're
0: people I just, I just, Man, you're dropping p-bombs
2: i have <laughs> Who's the posers who are the posers are you well just...
3: anybody anybody that values anything above how the music makes them feel that's <laughs> when you get that's, yeah, when but you that's get a, posers. what i'm
2: saying is i can say someone someone can say i only like the first four albums and I can think how, where they're coming from, but I can't know. they just might not only like the first four albums. I can't m- mind read and project who, why in the psychology behind it. I can presume, but I don't want to be presumptuous. I'm just, just saying.
0: I don't know. I like to presume that anyone who says that they don't get pumped when they see here, give me fuel, give me fire. Screw you. You're lying. You love 100%.
1: that. 100%. Here's the thing. If I was a wrestler, I want to come out to fuel. But I'm not trying to. I'm not going to the ring to to fake fight nobody. So that's just not on my. That's just not what I'm looking for. And with for I think with the first four Metallica albums, I feel like I I see where you're coming at, Doc. We talked about this on like a lot of episodes that there. I 100% agree that there is an elitism culture, and it's like you know when you are when someone gets brought into metal, there's just always a guy at the front going like, all right, here's what you like and and here's what you don't like here's what's not cool
3: anymore literally when i was growing up and i went to the cd store and the guy that like sold me my first black Sabbath cds turned me on Mm -hmm. to like down and pantera and all this stuff when i tried to buy load and reload because i wanted to own every metallica cd he told me no he told me no he was like, no, you're not buying <laughs> We will not make money in the store. <laughs> I had that guy too,
1: though. Like, that's how I ended up in hardcore is like, I remember I was trying, I bought saying Anger and the guy was like, all right, I see you. But then he like gave me like a Ferret Records comp to like get me into newer stuff at the same time. So there is always that. I think that's there. I think with Metallica, it's hard. There, it's a hard argument to have because There is the whole fact that after the first four albums, they don't have their key songwriters anymore. At least,
2: what are you talking about?
3: I agree, I agree. You're
2: leaving Dave
1: Mustaine is credited on every single uh, of the first uh, four Metallica albums. He's
3: always not first, first three.
2: Like, it's like a part, it's like a like. There's a there's a few songs like Four Horsemen and there's like it's like a part here or there. Oh, I don't hey, know. You wait, are...
1: you can look at if you open the album, it has his name. Like he wrote uh, uh
3: like songs that are on. I, I've been I've been studying this exact topic for probably <laughs> like, I'm not kidding for like five years now. I've been obsessed with just how much of a role did Dave play in making Metallica what they were. Just how much of a role did Cliff play in making Metallica what they were? They've all admitted to the fact that Cliff showed them what guitar harmonies were. Mm-hmm. So, And I don't think anybody in Metallica has ever downplayed Cliff's role. I think that Dave's role has been downplayed. And I think it depends a lot on who you believe and to what degree you believe them. And I think, you know, he just put out this uh, Rust and Peace book, which I read the whole thing. I've done a lot of deep dives on interviews and stuff like that. And a lot of what he says, it it lines up with reality as far as I can tell. Some of the songs on Kill 'Em All, probably what I would say the best songs on Kill 'Em All, it seems like the truth is he wrote the whole song or at least like 90% of the song. Mm. Uh, Jump in the Fire was from his band before Metallica, Panic. Uh, Metal Militia, he claims he wrote the whole song. Even like Ride the Lightning, he says he wrote everything except for the intro, which was written by Lars. Um, I think I think Dave's uh, downfall in this area is that while Metallica moved on and, and stayed on a consistent label for a really long time, had grade A management for a really long time, amazing PR, and crafted this whole uh, accepted image of the band being, you know, Hetfield, the Norick, primarily. Uh, I don't think I don't think Mustaine was too concerned with uh, his public image. He was too busy getting fucked up and beating his band up and getting beat up and writing crazy thrash metal songs. But I think yeah. in his old older age, he's put a more concerted effort into getting the due that he deserves. And uh, I think I think he has a lot more of an impact on metallica's songwriting and i'll even say slayer's songwriting because carrie was in Megadeth in 84 and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden in 86 you got like piece by piece which he was not writing riffs like that before he was jamming with mustaine could be coincidence um so i think i think dave mustaine is an mvp of metallica the unsung hero there and the unsung hero of the thrash movement and he'll tell you the same thing you know he of course Dave will, yeah, know. Of course he will. <laughs> he, helped, he helped create Metallica. He helped create that style of riff writing and that style of playing. He helped possibly push Kerry King's writing in a certain way, a little more progressive, a little more angular. And he's responsible for Megadeth. That's three of the big four that one guy has his fingers in all of it.
1: I also think that there is a clear there's a clearer line in the songwriting of the first four Metallica albums and the Megad and like what Megadeth riffs became i think you can see the evolution in the thought process in that ty- in that type of riff writing and that i think i think i think what we see from Metallica after like And Justice for All there's good shit on all of the records as you're you're saying it's just clearly there's a different songwriting perspective on on all of it.
2: Where did the spider riffs go, dude? Where did all this go? Listen, guys, I'm going to take a line from the social network. If you were going to invent Facebook, you would have invented Facebook. All right. That's literally a movie about a guy stealing <laughs> no, ideas. Doc. No, it's, but he didn't. He, <laughs> no, the point, that's what you took from social, social, social network is that the Winklevoss twins are the ones who actually did the heavy lifting. and, No, no,
1: it's just that it's a guy, it's a guy who's just a rocket ship. Who's just sucking in stuff from people around
2: him. Listen, he had the ability, he had the wherewithal. He's the one that did it. If they were gonna do it, they would have done it, okay? Here's, Here's the facts, all right? The biggest metal album of all time, okay? All the people you guys are talking about had nothing to do with, okay? Whether you like the black album or not, it is the biggest metal album in history. It continues to sell more more records. It is the biggest selling album in the SoundScan era. It has more impact on people discovering metal every day, more than any album ever made. In a way, you're not wrong,
3: but to- I'm not wrong. In all ways, I'm not wrong. (laughs) To say that Cliff Burton and Dave Mustaine had nothing to do with making James and Lars, the musicians and the songwriters that they became, I don't think that's accurate. I, think, yeah. I, I know,
2: but that's, but what I'm saying is by extension, if that's the metric we're going to use, why anyone is anything is because of people around them who, who helped formulate them and inspire them. We could make that argument for a million bands. Th- this topic is so important for me. Like, I'm, I'm too <laughs> invested. This is like literally two bands with Guns N' Roses third that formulated who I am the most as a musician. All right. right. Dave Mustaine as a rhythm guitar player is as much an uh, influence on me as Metall- everything Metallica has done. And, and I'm, you know, and to me, there's such a distinctive difference between Megadeth style guitar playing and Metallica style guitar playing that you can't tell me that that came from from Mustaine. Because if, because if it were true, then then Megadeth would sound like Metallica, but it doesn't.
1: I think that that's a conscious effort though. And I'm also not saying that Dave Mustaine deserves to be the the it in the biggest metal band of all time. I'm also not saying trying to take anything away from the black album. I'm just saying I like from what Nate is saying, I I see a clearer line between the ty- the style of songwriting in the albums before the black album. And and I I know that we just you you just said that like that the guitar the the guitar playing is different i think it's an evolution because i i think like if you listen to the first megadeth album and then you it, there's a lot more in common with the the first four metallica albums i think then- we're all
3: right i think we're all right dude yeah i know i know exactly what you're talking about with the guitar playing style especially with the right hand yeah hetfield is all down picking uh Mustaine is like a lot of alternate picking and, and there's some bleed over
2: But here's what it is. Here's the difference. difference. Metallica is muscular and groovy. Okay, like a song like Harvester of Sorrow, Megadeth could never write.
0: I mean, when you look at the big four, they're all thrash metal, but there's something a little different. You know, Slayer's got that evil edge to them. Anthrax has that very East Coast, a little more street, uh, what kind of ended up being like the gateway to hardcore kind of edge to them. Uh, Metallica is I guess maybe more so the classic blueprint and Megadeth is definitely different in that they structure their songs a little less traditionally. And I think, yes, where Metallica has more groove, Megadeth has more melody in a lot of different ways. And Megadeth also had, Dave Mustaine always had the advantage where he did not have the same bands. And I think that shaped him in a lot of ways. I mean, we could sit and talk about what was better. What I, It worked for him to have, a rotating cast of amazing guitarists beside him for all of these albums and helped shape his sound. And I think even shaped him as a player. But ultimately, I think the big reason why we don't see Megadeth necessarily as big as we do Metallica doesn't have to do with lack of talent, with them not being as good musically. In some ways, I think maybe Dave Mustaine is better than Kirk Hammett or better than James Hetfield. But I think. Metallica learned very quickly and very early on to become a business and to become professional and were able to use that in addition to their legacy and their music and having the chops to back it up. Whereas I think as it wasn't until much, much later in Dave Mustaine's career that he really did start treating the band like a business. And I think that really stunts you as a band or as a musician. Yeah, you could have the chops, you could be an incredible player, write great songs, but you can hold yourself back if you aren't also thinking of everything outside of the creative aspects.
3: I agree 100% with everything you just said. And, but I want to add to that. Here's another thing that prevents Megadeth from being as big as Metallica. And I'm not, I apologize if I hurt one of my heroes' feelings right now, the vocals.
0: Yeah, Mm. that's true. That's, that's a great point. His vocals are absolutely hit or miss for people. They're very divisive.
1: Yeah, well, here's the—I love them, but that. Then again, I also love the Muppets. So, well, but
2: I'll—I'll I'll go another step beyond that. Uh, James Hetfield's vocals is what sets Metallica apart from every single other band in the thrash metal genre. He just has that voice that you understand every word. It's this combination between having a melody into it, but it's also aggressive it's it's the it's the great separator for whom the bell tolls which is on the second record it was this four on the floor mid-tempo groove arena simple thing that to me was very you know like that's a metallica thing and i'm not saying people didn't influence anyone all all i'm saying is there was a if to me if Mustaine was all the, the 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 kind of you know Kaiser Soze of Metallica at every point, kind of making everything happen. Then I think you would have seen that reflected in the first Megadeth album, which is pure speed and kind of pure mayhem and not groovy. It's all one. So listen, I I'm listen, I'm as big a fan of Mustaine as anything, and I think he had a massive impact. But let's not go too far to like, like, are we just saying that to undercut? their accomplishments
3: no i'm definitely not and and you have to keep in mind that if you're talking about groove he did write jump in the fire i mean but that's i'm sorry that's a little (laughs) white's groove you know it's a little
2: i love some jump in the fire i'm with you but it's a little it's a little tight (laughs)
3: yeah you're not wrong doc mentioned the kaiser soze thing with mustaine and i feel like I feel like we're definitely getting like conspiratorial at this point with the Mustaine thing. And I just, (laughs) I wanna make it clear that I love and appreciate every single person that's been in Metallica, period. Totally. Same.
2: That's that's one of my best metaphors. I think, like, I'm just imagining, (laughs) you know, Cliff Bernstein in like an office and he looks around and kind of realizes it was Mustaine the whole time.
1: must
3: Mustaine's
1: alternate picking starts to just go down the whole time (laughs) so wrap it up here yeah i um metallica is my first that's my that's everyone's first metal band is metallica or black sabbath most people i feel like my age probably metallica since i am like a a metal comedian i've spent just like years of my life shitting (laughs) on that band because it's just it's just you know it's It's what people want. I I need to come out and say right now that I do love that band. And I love all the dudes in it. Like Lars is a very eccentric, weird dude who buys paintings for no reason. But he's also just, he's one of the nicest dudes. That band is responsible for so many new bands getting huge. I Like the platonic ideal of like how you should behave when you get famous as a famous metal band. And they still fucking sound really good when they play. Like I when we watched S and M two, like James looks like Sam Elliott now. He still sounds like he does he did in 1991. It's unbelievable.
0: I love Metallica. I love Megadeth. I love both of them for different reasons. I can't necessarily uh, say that I love one more than the other because, like I said, there's just totally different reasons, different albums I love, different songs I love. It's hard to quantify but what i can say for certain is that i do not like anything they've put out in the past 10 years <laughs>
3: <laughs> you're not wrong you're not wrong no matter, <laughs> i like the idea of it listen <laughs> though no matter what they do if you're in this game you owe them a debt of gratitude forever period they changed it they're you know, as important as Black Sabbath is, I think Metallica is probably the most important metal band ever because they just took the popularity to a different degree. You know, They opened up the possibility of an album like Far Beyond Driven debuting at number one. That wouldn't happen without the Black album mm-hmm. K- mm-hmm. kicking that door in. And Jordan, you mentioned the Lars thing, the love for Lars. Look, he, I think anybody in that band would probably, I don't know him, but I, I imagine that anybody in that band would be the first to tell you he is as important to that band as anybody, if not yeah. the most important guy. Not just with, you know, the drive and pushing that band to be as big and successful and great as they are, but even the songwriting, the, you know, the arranging and, and the ideas for riffs, you know, as far as I understand. Um, yeah. and you you can't undervalue anybody that's ever been in that band, whether it's Cliff or or Newstead or, you know, even Rob Trujillo yeah rob yeah. fuck yeah love kirk, for rob, rob kirk wrote kirk wrote the come crawling faster riff the pre-chorus to master puppets which might be their best riff ever and we haven't even talked about him so you know the mm-hmm. fact that that many like one in a billion types of talents all played in the same band at some point the fact that james hetfield and dave mustaine were in the same band at one point in history is like insane uh and I love everybody that's ever been in that band, and we all owe him a debt of gratitude.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, listen, I'm listen. It's the only person here, you know, who plays in bands with these guys and like is friends with these guys, you know. And I'm not trying to gloat, except for my overwhelming amount of gloating <laughs> right now. It's just it's a shame to be around, you know, lovely people. It's just just you know, it's a lot of bad opinions around here. Right? I'm to let you know that. All right, I'm I'm right. And, it's, and uh, I apologize. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I'm just kidding. Listen, I'm, I'm a super fan. is my favorite band, but I would have not have gotten into metal if it wasn't for Megadeth. I, I, it's like I have my, you know, being bit by a radioactive spider moment. And I was hearing Symphony of Destruction on MTV at a friend's house when I was 12 years old, and it changed my life. And I take this stuff... So seriously, I bleed for it. I've been there in the middle of an audience singing every word at a Metallica show. Well, around me, people didn't know the words. I've been and I've been that person that like it's so ingrained in my identity. And I care so much. And when you care, that's the definition of being a nerd. You're not, you know, it's like dance like no one's watching. That's how that's what I do. I don't, I don't give a damn. I love the new records, I love the old records. Listen, if they do something that's not good, I'm not going to listen to it. There are metallic albums I don't listen to. There are Megadeth albums I don't, I don't listen to. But I don't get into the who did what, who's better. It's like, what do you like? Chocolate or peanut butter? It's like, well, man, I'm just going to get a Reese's, man, and, and get it all together. What's the problem? Why, why are we fighting here? So let's just keep it going. Celebrate the catalog. As long as these bands are active, still putting out records, still playing shows, we are all the better for it
1: all right we're doing albums now we're talking about mr bungle re-recording their demo the raging wrath of the easter bunny it's mr bungle it's mike patton's other band that isn't faith he's got a million other bands it's the other band that people really know on drums he is dave lombardo and on rhythm guitar he is scott ian when i first heard about this i was pissed off <laughs> like i love mr bungle I love Mike Patton stuff, but he's definitely like a dude who his like contrarian personality. uh, I'm always like wary of like where where he's gonna go or if he can back it up. And when I heard that they were gonna he brought Scott Ian and Lombardo to just like re-record the demo and do a tour that's just the demo. I, I was genuinely pissed off about that idea. And then I heard the record. And I was kind of a little mad that I fucking loved it. I fucking loved this. This is this is the other side, like the the non Metallica side of thrash, the non Megadeth side of thrash, uh, like you, your violences and stuff. Uh, this is the other half of thrash that I fucking love, where it is messy and juvenile and just kind of dumb and fast and uh, and weird. I thought that this. This is everything I love about that early messy thrash mixed in with like the like some modern chaos that you'd see, I guess, in like uh in like Mike Patton's Dillinger Escape Plan record and stuff. I think that this is uh it was long as hell, but I think it's probably weirdly now one of my favorite thrash records. It brings out the best in Lombardo and Lombardo, it brings out the best in Scott Ian that I. I don't, I don't know any modern Anthrax albums, but I haven't heard him play like that in years. I think it's really fun. And I think it might be a testament to just specialness of this music being for younger people, the replaying riffs that they wrote when they were younger. And I think that there's an authenticity to that, that I don't know if they actually could have created it as like adults, if they were themselves now writing a thrash record. I just, it got me really curious about it. I'm sorry that was very long. What do you guys think?
0: I, obviously having these two power players in thrash metal in that band, totally, uh, it, it shows and it pays off. There's something about it that, that reminded me a little bit of Guar. It was that, mm. kind of like the, that primitive crossover thrash with a little bit of like that punk sound at times, a little bit like, you know, that, that crossover like agnostic front moments yeah um, yeah totally. but also kind of light and goofy and and, and lyrically kind of fun during different moments of the album i i feel like that was what i was connecting with the most i just kept thinking of guar um which i loved i you know i love that about it um i would say yet yeah, is a little long cuz i did actually at points just start kind of it faded into the background once it fades into the background like i'm sorry the album if you don't grab me and have my full attention and that lull happens and I'm like, Oh, right. I'm listening to this. That's usually where things fall short for me. So unfortunately I think it was a little too long. I think if they had just condensed it a bit more, it would have grabbed my attention more and I might've appreciated it a little bit more than I actually do.
2: Yeah. This was completely, as soon as I heard some of the songs from it, that were released early, it was completely left field. I remember looking at footage for the live shows they did in LA and I was, you know, looking to like hear some Mr. Bumble songs. And I didn't hear, I didn't recognize anything. I was like, what, what the hell is this? I had no idea they used to be a thrash metal band. So despite the re record this is new to me. This is a new album. And mm-hmm. it's kind of absurd. Like, I don't know what the original <laughs> demo sounded like, but if the, it was anywhere near this good and they were like in high school, it's that's insane. I, I'm with Jordan, I think it's one of, I think it's gonna go down as like a benchmark thrash album historically. Like I like it's already top ten of the year. I yep. I pre-ordered it. I've been listening to it even before it was assigned. Um, it the recording it's like jumping out of the like. There's something vibrant about it the way it sounds. And it's total Scotty and it's total Dave Lombardo, the purest version of it where you hear a part, you're like, that's S.O.D. You hear a part, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's, you know, I couldn't believe it. Dude, they sold 16,000 copies the first week. This is going to be a top 20 record for a weird circus band <laughs> that randomly put out a fucking thrash metal record, all-star thrash metal record. It makes no sense, but it's also perfect. And thank God that a bunch of bands wanted to put out cool records around Halloween.
3: Mm-hmm. All right, Nate, shit all over this. Dude, I, I had a much different experience with it. Doc, I do appreciate the very last thing you just said about it is kind of cool that a record would receive some some pretty uh, big numbers being as, as strange as this is. I mean, that in and of itself is cool. Some of the ideas that have been discussed here sound good when you say them and like the words are cool that you guys are saying but the, the reality <laughs> of the record that i experienced and, and i just have to say i respect i have the best words all <laughs> <Yeah>, right yeah <laughs> the, be- the best word the most accurate word in this whole discussion that i picked up on was when kate said goofy i mean i think objectively there's something goofy about this record love it which could be cool if you're into that or not or, or whatever. But first of all, I want to say, I respect everybody involved in this project. Also, just like the metallic thing, like especially Dave Lombardo, he's a like huge personal hero of mine, probably my favorite metal drummer. I it's, it sounds like some 15 year old, 17 year old kids like trying to figure out how to play thrash metal. And for a vocalist who is as like unhinged and and just extraordinary talented as extraordinarily talented as mike patton the vocals to me it doesn't seem like he's even trying that hard it's just kind of flat uh shouting but but not in a cool way i don't know it just it seems like they're having fun with it it's a fun idea seems like they don't really care you know they're just they're just letting it all out but um i don't have to care either and i didn't unfortunately (laughs)
2: Or I just want to say something. Historically, thrash metal is goofy, okay? S.O.D. Yep. Yeah, AX was goofy, but I side with this more like
3: is goofy, right? But, it's, but my my thrash metal is more kind of like uh, Dark Angel, Demolition Hammer, Metallica. Brother, you know, you're cherry overkill. picking. That that stuff is all like has you're a. Cherry, I'm just saying you're cherry picking a little bit. We had Toxic
2: Waltz. We had. All kinds of goofy stuff. I'm just saying, like I'm if not you're not really
3: an Exodus guy, guy though, either, I'm man. Exodus, uh, uh, really? Oh, nah, not really.
2: But I'm just saying, if you're stage diving with the bo- boogie board, it's a little goofy. It's a little tongue cheek. It's fun, but I think that's the the crossover elements because it's not purely thrash. There's some hardcore. There's some punk. There's a little grind mm-hmm. moments. But you know, I listen
3: to each his own. You know, what about I, the vocals, though, man? That's I, like, I want to. Oh,
0: hold on, sorry, Mike, I Mike.
3: love them he no, could have they, done they, so much better he it's Mike Patton who, what you so want him to so do
2: I don't there's no one in this music where I was like he needs to, to
0: operatic try
3: harder he had he uh, should have uh, tried harder bro. Katie what did you, you want, know, want
0: to say first of all Mike Patton is such a diverse vocalist and he has all these other projects where he could do his falsettos or he could do whatever it is you know just screaming vocals so what, but now, thinking about the vocals, that, I think, to me, is what was giving me those Guar vibes. Yeah. Kind of like that Brocky like, talk-shouting, grumbling. Kind, and you're not quite singing. You're not quite screaming. It's a good you're call. also not quite, like, talking. Like, I, I can't yeah. really, um, you, you can't... It, it's like that kind of very unique to Guar thing. And I also thought about it a little bit more, too. And I think this album reminded me a lot, musically, of Municipal Waste, in that it had, like I said, that crossover vibe that... Uh, a little punk, a little thrash. And that's why I think it was too long for me because I'm used to a Municipal Waste album, which every song is like 30 seconds to like a minute.
3: (laughs) No, I got to say, every single thing that Municipal Waste has ever done to me is better than this. Oh, this
0: was so much better. I mean, Municipal Waste, yes, so much better than this band. There was definitely a lot of similarities I heard there. Those are the bands, I guess I'm drawing a lot of, I'm hearing a lot of Richmond, Virginia in this band for some reason. I'm hearing Guar, I'm hearing Municipal Waste.
1: I think Doc hit the nail on like on the head, like there's just there this is an album for the other side of Thrash for the exoduses, for the like I brought, like violence is one I of did- my favorite yep. violence is one of my favorite thrash metal bands ever. and like so immediately when I heard, I think that that's what Mac Mike Patton is doing is he wants to do he wanted to do the sloppy, goofy thrash that you don't really hear anymore you only it only really lives on in a municipal waste and even there Can i say something
3: though i think if if this was a new band or maybe even if this was like a band's second record i don't think anybody would care
0: yes i agree with that i i this would probably fall and fade into the background as it did when i was listening to it like it stood out to me because of who was behind it and because of the you know it was mr bungle but I probably would never have given this album a second chance if it didn't have those names attached.
2: You could say that for 90% of the vanity projects that any Mm -hmm. person you know, you know, like Mother, right? The Darren Aronofsky movie, would anyone care about Mother if Darren Aronofsky didn't do it? Probably not, but that's, we can't, this is what we're dealing with. They made the record. That's why we're paying attention to it. I don't know, just saying.
1: Yeah, I also went into it wanting to hate it. Like that was my mindset, I was mad when I was going, to, because of exactly what, you, what you're bringing up, I was like, this is a vanity project, this is this is a really stupid art idea, but I actually liked it. I went into it actively wanting to not enjoy it, and I had a really good time. I kind of got it, I got what the, like they wanted to bring back, like their project was to write something that sounds like adolescence, and I think they nailed it, because that's just what I wanted to hear. Anyway, let's move on So I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> bring me the horizon has a new ep i don't know why it's called the ep because it's nine songs in 30 minutes but uh <laughs> uh post-human yeah. survival horror i love this album it was my favorite album of the year i think this might be actually the most kind of relevant mainstream heavy band going right now um and they took like a real turn Because they they put out a pop record a few years ago that kind of turned off a lot of people. And this album kind of brought the heaviness back. The guitars came back. The riffs came back. The screaming came back. But they didn't lose any of the hooks. They did tons of smart things bringing in all these uh, guest people and the way they... Did the album was also extremely uh, interesting in terms of marketing where they didn't announce an EP, they just released singles one at a time. Each one came out, blew up the internet, blew up the radio, and they just did it one at a time and all of a sudden, bam, you get an album. And I think this this band in terms, like I said, I, I know everyone here probably isn't into super mainstream stuff, but as far as that crowd, I think they're kind of like 10 paces ahead of every other band.
0: I, you know, I, I went into this with pretty low expectations. Um, I'm, I've not been super familiar with this band, um, but I've seen some music videos from them. I've heard some stuff and typically they come across to me very metalcore, which, you know, we've already discussed on the show. I'm not, I'm not a fan of, but I really liked this album a lot. It felt very mature to me. It felt very modern. Uh, there was a lot of electronic elements, which I really enjoyed. I think that popped the most in my opinion. Um, and it was very anthemic. Like I could see why people love this band because every single one of these songs was something you could see someone just like rocking out in like an open air festival somewhere, just jamming to this, even if they don't know the band just can't help but like bop your head along with it. So I really, uh, enjoyed this. It was a surprise album for me. Cause like I said, I went in and thought I would hate it to, um, you know, feel lukewarm about it, but I actually enjoyed it.
3: Nate, what do you think? I'm a grown ass man, dude. I didn't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I feel like
1: uh, a child sometimes, so I listen. I did listen to this album.
2: Um, oh, you did I, your job. Congratulations.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have defended this band before. I defended their last album, as, but not as something like. I was just coming. I don't. I don't like this music but I respect the fuck out of what this band is doing. I see exactly what is appealing about it. I think it is really cool. They Nothing sounds like this. They're the only thing that really sounds exactly like this. And I think that that is really fucking cool. This band sounds like a combination of like Marilyn Manson and Taking Back Sunday. And then just, I don't know, just like gigantic groove riffs that are also played on a synth at the same time it's a lot of elements that are weird and they go together I think um and I think that that is really cool and I like that it's appealing to a younger audience I think it's cool I think we need bands like this uh mature is one uh word I would not use to describe this this is the most fucking 12 year old ass shit i've ever heard lyrically
0: i should clarify this is mature for this band from what i <laughs> yeah, whatever okay. they have matured but this music right. itself is not for a mature audience
1: right okay touche i agree I, with that wait, I,
0: I, I see what you're saying please no one think I yeah
1: <laughs> lyric lyrically it is uh i think it is interesting to note the transition of just like what like Emo bands of the of like the mid two thousands were singing about. I think it's interesting that those bands sung about how like oh my ex girlfriend broke my heart and Bring Me the Horizon is is fuck I have depression and I broke my own heart. I think that that is v- a very fun evolution of e- emo music. I think that this band is nothing but good for the music industry, but I I I don't I don't like this. I think they had the
2: my favorite lyric of the whole year. And the f- opening track in the chorus is God is a shithead.
0: Yes! God is oh, a shithead. Yes! Yeah. I, I
2: audibly <laughs> <laughs> laughed. I did,
0: I Not fucking literally. laughed
2: when I heard that. That was Okay, ridiculous. now you, you know, you couldn't write that when you were 12, buddy. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> I carved that into a desk, friend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Carcass just put out an EP called Despicable. Um, we actually, back when we first started this podcast, That's when Carcass had announced that they would be releasing a full-length album later this year. Um, Unfortunately, for obvious reasons, that has been postponed. So the band decided, well, we already have some songs prepared. Let's put out an EP. So we got a four or five song EP from the band. And if this is any indication of what we're going to get with the full length, I am absolutely here for it. These songs sound to me, it, it definitely picks right up where Surgical Steel left off. Um, Mm -hmm. They have that melody to them. They've definitely now really gotten a hold of the art that sometimes less is more. And sometimes instead of just overwhelming you with uh, blast beats, they really have more of a groove to them. I feel they kind of just took what they did during like their heyday of like heart work and really have just completely perfected it. It's melodic, it's thrashy, Definitely my favorite of the week. I mean, I, I, can't, I guess I can't call it an album since it is just an EP. This is the appetizer to the main course, if you will, which hopefully we'll see in 2021. Uh, but I really love this record. And Bill Steer has since confirmed that, yes, they will still be releasing a new full length as soon as they can. This is just something to hold everyone over until then. What did you guys think?
3: I like it. I thought it was a solid EP. It's interesting because they released that song under the scalpel blade uh, through the Decibel Flexi series first, I believe. And I think that's probably my least favorite song on the EP. So I was a little bit freaked out, but uh, I really like the other songs. And I want to shout out my buddy Tom that plays guitar with them live. Really good dude. Tom Draper. He's so good. I loved this EP. I love I love Carcass. They're a
1: band that weirdly just, I, as Katie said, they're perfecting their sound. They I think they weirdly continue to get better. I I also agree with Nate that I was uh that that one song was when it came out on the Decibel thing. I was a little mm, underwhelmed by it, but I think that this this EP is fucking sick. They they they've mastered what they do best and it's just having like a really like fan like they just sound like what my mom thinks metal sounds like (laughs) (laughs) like and i think that that's that is uh that's a testament also fucking bill steer has the platonic ideal of what your heavy metal guitar should sound like i don't like i it is impeccable this fucking guitar tone Every time I hear it, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? How many EVH heads are you using? What fucking Serb Tube Screamer does this? No,
2: you want me to tell you? I know, I know. i commercial I'm just, governor, I'm- governor pedal, but you got to use a Gibson. Les Paul. Les Paul, tune down, a B standard, buddy. And you know what? Don't come with the hands. We got to steal his hands. We got to cut him off. And, and
3: Yeah, hey, he, he's the death metal Jimmy Page. Straight For up. For sure. By yes. the way,
2: looks. At, by the way, thirty years—the guy's an age a day. It's not. It's really.
1: It's fucked up, dude. What is going on? He's White I Prince. I don't know. It doesn't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I, I I used to say, Kate, your review was so concise. All right, and so on point. I can't really add anything to that. You know, was, that was that was I I whatever mm-hmm. Kate said. I totally agree. I will say. Uh, Carcass and At the Gates for are for me for melodic death metal as Metallica and Megadeth are for thrash metal. Like I am, sure. I am a super fan. I put whatever they do, I just put it in my veins. Uh, I think Surgical Steel is one of the best comeback albums ever. Ever. And this was you know also about this this EP. Is there's four songs, but every song. Is like either an eight, nine, or 10 for me. So it's almost like on a normal album, you might have four songs you really like, but all four songs are amazing. So I just like, I bought this even before this was assigned to us. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I just don't understand how they can basically be this good for this song and not lose the core element of what makes the band good and somehow have that exist in every song. Like, I just don't, like, how do you keep your identity and keep the quality that high for that long? I don't get it. Like, I'm just blown away. Totally.
1: I also want to shout out uh, the drumming on this album is fucking nuts. The cymbal work, I don't fucking, I've never talked about a cymbal in my fucking life. (laughs) It's never happened.
2: Chris Adler, bro? Chris Adler? Come on.
1: (laughs) Okay, all right. I love the bell. Uh, But the, like... Dude, Dan the Carcass drummer is matching, like I've never I, I've never noticed anyone just like match a gallop with cymbal hits, but with different symbols. It was fucked up. Dan, you're incredible.
0: One thing about Carcass I think that's really worth noting um, about this band's legacy and how important they, important they are to metal is, I mean, as far as it goes, I can only think of three bands who can claim that they've done this and Carcass being one of them is that they were integral in pioneering two different genres. Mm. Uh, first, the gore grind genre, and eventually the melodic death metal genre. And I think that is a true testament to a band when you aren't just the pioneer of one thing, you evolve your sound and become the pioneer of something else. So, and the only other two bands I could think of that did that were Death and Bathory. I, I mean, feel free if anyone else thinks of other bands, this might be a whole different conversation to have another time, I'm sure. But um, that's something I would love to mention about Carcass because I think that's, that's really important to acknowledge them for.
2: Merciful Kate, heavy metal historian. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Emma Ruth Rundle and thou teamed up for a record. It's called May Our Chambers Be Full. You know I loved this record. I don't need to fucking tell you I loved it. I love both of these uh, artists separately. I love that they came together and wrote a fucking do me uh, blackened Alanis Morissette album. I'm fucking here for this. I'm here for this evil 90s fucking, uh, slow album. It was great. Weirdly, this week, the order of the albums that I listen, like, the way I listened to them was perfect. And, and I, like, this hit right as, like, the, like, this album hit right as, like, the sun was going down. And it was, it was, the right i listened to it at the right time i don't know what you guys think i think that this is fucking awesome i think that was super cool how versatile they are as like a doom band they're a version of doom that i love uh their guitars sound i don't know how you tune this low i don't know what they're doing it's it sounds lower than g when they play some riffs it's crazy and it works perfectly with Emma's vocal style, which it, these are all elements that doesn't, don't seem like they should go together, but they did. And I loved it. What do you think?
0: Loved it. This was doomy, it was atmospheric, it was textured, it was all the things I love. Um, you know, it wasn't just like a straightforward doom metal song, there was just mm-hmm. other elements to it that really just elevated it to this more ambient, kind of atmospheric level. I really enjoyed it. Uh, definitely up there among my favorite albums of this week.
2: Grunge is back, y'all. <laughs> that's all I. That's all I yeah. can think about, basically with this record and the Nothing record. I'm just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Is grunge back? Is it like the Screaming Trees growing up going on tour again? But all I can think about, if you guys watch The Crow, there's a band that is playing while like the bad guys are plodding upstairs, they're having like their bad guy meeting. And there's like this Lilith Fair girl up there like singing and kind of doing her thing. And it's all like washy and kind of dirty. And I just think about, that's all I can only think about that band when I was listening to this. I think this is really good. Um, it, you know, just had, I don't know, just, it, all I did is made me think about dirty, grungy, 90s bands with cool, ethereal, Female and, um, and by the way, Emma Ruth Rundle, that's, a, that's just a great name. That's just a great name. It sounds like an outlaw, you know? Like, you know, she got a six-shooter. Emma Ruth Rundle, she's on the run. We need to get this woman. She's out there, robbing <laughs>
0: trains.
1: I am mad that she has such a cool name. I want it to be my name. My I got too many names in mind, and I don't like most of them. Nate, what do you think?
3: To be honest, I didn't get a chance to listen to the whole thing. Um, I did hear... The first single that they released, and I think it's probably my favorite song that I've heard from Thou in a really long time. Uh, I like the early Thou stuff a lot, but I kind of and I respect them and love those dudes a lot. But I kind of been out of the loop on it. But that that lead single really had something to it, and I might even be a, at this point in my life more of a fan of of Emma's music than I am of Thou, which might make me a poser. I don't know. But the two of them together definitely sounds like it works. But, uh, you know, I got, the, uh, I got the little list of albums that we need to listen to for this. The only problem is on Friday, Eternal Champion put a record out. And that's been like basically the only thing I've been listening to. So I apologize for not listening to the whole Dow record.
2: By the way, is there a better name for a band than Eternal Champion? I think no. not. No. This is like, I feel like that's like... Like how Kanye calls himself a genius that if you just say it enough, people are like, Yo, that dude's a genius. And if you call your band eternal champion, be like, well, they're the they are the eternal champion. So I mean, dude. we can't
1: beat them. They're the eternal champ, they won't forever. Eternal forever. I,
3: I gotta say, I tried to listen to all of the records that you guys told me to listen to, and I couldn't. I literally I would like put on a different record and listen to half a song, and then just it was like I had to put the Eternal Champion record back on, so I have to. I have to mention that. So
0: I the- know that feeling. Shout, Shout out,
3: out to Eternal Champion. Yeah. That record is genuinely it's fucking sw- sick. It's so sick. looped in at the end of the year and might be my favorite album of the year. I think, Doc. You talk about the the test of time, like proving whether a record's classic or not. Sometimes you hear one and you're immediately like, "This is a classic." See, record like is- when
2: I hear the name Eternal Champion. I just imagine every song is a cover of the final countdown, but they just do it in different styles. So it's like <laughs> Flash Final Countdown, Ballad Final Countdown, like Hatebreed style Final Countdown. Like You're not
3: that far off, to be honest.
0: <laughs> the- this did you say something? I Sorry, I didn't realize they'd come out with a new album, um, which I'm really kicking myself for because this is a band I really like. Uh, In fact, this was the first show that I saw in Philly when I moved to Philly. I saw Eternal uh, Champion, uh, I believe it was at Boot and Saddle, Rest in Peace, that unfortunately closed this week. But in any case, I digress. Um, I'm a big fan of them because they really capture this like, nawabum time-tested sound. And it's so good. And Arthur Risk is in the band and he's done um, production. He's very DIY in his production aesthetic and he's done production for a lot of bands. I believe Sepultura is among them. Um and I think that his touch really makes this band what it is. So thank you for telling mm. me this album came out, guys, because I didn't know. My head has been in the cloud. Uh, and I am stoked that I have something to look forward to. I I
3: You're think Eternal kind of,
0: Champion? Yeah. Okay. I, I was like, they, she's
3: talking about this. Like, when's the record we were supposed to review? <laughs> no, they like surprise yeah. released it. It was supposed to come out on the 20th, and then they just put it online. So good for them. I don't know, but I like. The honest truth is that's the only thing I've been listening to since Friday, like nonstop. So yeah. I just had to say something. Sorry for derailing. Yeah, no,
1: you're fine. No, I'm ready this, this show is for shouting out music. Like, we want people to find other music, other good music.
3: Dude, and I do yeah, have to here say, for- Jason Tarpey, their singer, lives down the road from me, and he has a forge, and he makes swords and axes and medieval it weapons. Would. So it's, it's legit. It's legit like sword and steel, badass that's- heavy metal.
1: That is what I want to, on the cover of all the records, like, I want to see just, like, a a picture of Macho Man wearing armor in the background with the belt. And finally, we have The Great Dismal from Nothing. I'm not a shoegaze person. I don't, I've, I don't think I've ever heard an entire shoegaze album in my life. For me, shoegaze just sounds like the beginning of a song, uh, and then the song doesn't start. But this... Nothing is really transcendent. Doc brought up that grunge is back. This album is like, it's unbelievable. It sounds like the future of Smashing Pumpkins, but huge. Like if the Smashing Pumpkins, like also just, I don't know why everybody's drop tuning so hard this week, but it's happening. The songwriting on this, I think is great. Uh, I, I, there's some i don't know what this guy's doing differently about like with his whisper singing but i'm super fucking into it every album but like bring me the horizon is like trying to fucking fight for album of the year for me right now this was a fucked up week of really good music um also the fact that aaron heard from jesus peace is also in this band is crazy that is that is such a leap of genre style to be able to be that good at deathcore and and like i don't like smashing put grunge emo revival is unbelievable this sounds like if you're a fan of smashing pumpkins and it, or emo like kevin divine this is your album what do you guys think
3: I'm down with nothing, dude. I have been since day one, and uh, kind of like you said, I didn't listen to this type of music at all until that first Nothing record came around. I mean, I heard Smashing Pumpkins growing up, but that's about it as far as like Hum and all those kind of bands. I, I never really discovered any of that stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know. And that's kind of the the cool thing about a band like this uh, reaching the public eye via Relapse Records because it's it's exposing people to it that might not discover it, uh, on their own, me being one of those people. But dude, when that first nothing record came out, I wore it out. I wore it out. I'm so into that record. Love the second record. The last one was really good. I, I don't know if I liked it quite as much as the first two. And, uh, this one is great. Uh, I've only listened to it once. So I, I don't really like to comment on records too much if I've only heard them once or twice. Um, uh, but I really enjoyed it Uh, gives you a lot of good feelings and a lot of bad feelings, which I think is what they're going for. And uh, Mm -hmm. you know, those dudes have always been super cool and uh, supported spirit adrift and come out and seen us when we've been around. And uh, yeah, I love nothing. I think this is interesting
2: because I've heard this name around, but not heard the band for a long time. And with the name, like nothing, I presumed it was some noisy, Crazy cacophonous kind of thing, so I was a bit surprised when I actually heard it. And it made me think about this idea about other genres of music getting kind of Trojan horsed into the scene. Where that a lot of times the music people that have music enjoy sometimes it's not actually about the aesthetic of the music, it's just like they're one of us, and so it, so that so that kind of threw me for a, a loop, but it's interesting. That Jordan said, "Smashing Pumpkins." What I wrote down, I was like, "This is like failure meets Smashing Pumpkins." Mm-hmm. Every now and again, I get like a bit of Pinkerton's Weezer, just like mm-hmm. kind of thrown thrown in in into the mix. But listen, I think this band is is really good. I and, and when I said I, I kind of put this in there with the um, the thou Emma Ruth Rundle record, where I think these these, these records are objectively good, but they. For me, sometimes they have a tough time keeping my attention. Like they're very slow and deliberate, and soft and dynamic, and it's just and but they're great, great mood records, right? Like I can imagine just putting this on when you just want to chill, and it's just like giving you that kind of feathery, buttery kind of you know you know background to just chill and listen and and like I said, and that that grunt that kind of dirty grungy soft where the vocals are kind of in the distance and it just sounds smooth. But uh, yeah, I thought this was a really good record. This is a good
0: band. Yeah, so I disagree. <laughs> <When> I... <laughs> Let me tell you, I want to thank, I want to thank Doc, Nate, Jordan, the three of you have just solved a mystery that was going on in my head. I heard this, I, I've, I've seen this band's name, just like like Doc was saying, I, I've seen it around, I've never really given this band a chance. I don't know why. Sometimes I, I think it's because people who like certain bands, I already know I, I'm not really in line with their taste. So I just kind of avoid whatever they're telling me to listen to because I probably won't like it. All I could think when I kept listening to this record, which I got to admit, I did what Nate did with the uh, Emma Ruth Rundle in this record. I just didn't listen all the way through. I just reached a certain point. Where I was like, I'm good here. And I just kept asking myself, what is this band? What is this? And I just had this visceral reaction. And now I understand why. And I have the three of you to thank. You said the words I needed to hear, Smashing Pumpkins. I hate the Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> I hate that band. I hate that band. And now I understand. I'm like, this is why I was just, not, I just, so you know, and you know what? Like everyone, of you're a Smashing Pumpkins fan, then go listen to this band. And if you hate them, then stay away. Dude, you,
1: I, you were the first person I've ever met who, doesn't like the Smashing
2: Pumpkins for the songwriting. Well, well I, I love it. She went pure Paul Mooney. She's like, I, I hated that band. I hate everyone who's in that band. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you like, but weirdly you like, uh, what is it? A Perfect Circle? Isn't that Smashing course, Pumpkin you
0: people? Know, which is very interesting because there was actually times on this record that kind of reminded me of Ash's Divide which was Billy How- Howardell's band before A Perfect Circle. And you know what? I don't like that band either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. I've just... <laughs> I w- I literally sent I sent this album to my partner because I know that she loves Smashing Pumpkins but does not like Billy Corgan's voice. I also so I was hate- like, oh, I- this is perfect for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the voice is nothing like no nothing like billy corgan's it's a literally a man whispering that's it and i'm into it though i don't know why
2: <laughs> hey man you're into what you're into man i judge not you know
1: well that does it for us here last words on the pit nate tell the people where they can find spirit adrift and you
3: spiritadrift.com that's it everything you need's there uh Dude, the social media is getting harder and harder to find any sort of practical use for it. So just go to our website, spiritadrift.com. <laughs> we put a record out, uh, whatever. I don't even know what month it is. We put a record out sometime in the distant past. So go check that out, too. It's real good. We love it.
1: Katie, where can the people find you on the computer or their
2: phone or whatever?
0: You can find me at MercifulKate on Twitter and Instagram.
2: Doc, I don't know. I think I want to go with with Nate's thing and just be like, listen, man, the internet is a bamboozlement, all right, and you need to expand your mind, all right, and get off of there. But if you're on the internet, uh, at Doc Coil, you know, Twitter and Instagram, but don't let the ruse get you, all right, (laughs) your own person, okay, don't be a slave to the phone.
1: Astute. Yeah, you can find me at uh, Go on a hike and on Twitter at Read a book outside. God damn it. <laughs> that does it for us here in the Last Words podcast. If you want to leave us a comment about something we forgot to talk about, go to our YouTube channel, check out the latest episode, let us know right there. Follow us on all social media platforms at We Are the Pit. We are here every Thursday talking about heavy metal music for you.